Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. I want to acknowledge that today, uh, Melissa and I are celebrating six years of being married. Happy anniversary, babe. Um, I, I love my wife more than, um, more than ever before. And I know she's going to be like, you're just saying that because you're in front of the church. But I, I, I really do. I, I love her more today than, than ever before. She is an incredible person, a wife, mother. And uh, it's, I thank God for the six years that we've been together. I, I know that six years isn't a super long time. But from what I experienced, what's worked for us, because we've had a pretty easygoing marriage so far. And I'm, I'm going to kind of knock on wood there. Um, but, but I think the key... And I think anyone will tell you is communication, right? Communicate with one another and um, make time for each other. If, if, if your family is taking the backseat to your work life, to your ministry, even your church, that's a dangerous place to be, right? The only one that should be above your family is God because he is the one who created the family. Um, it's, it, he is the source of a healthy marriage and a healthy family. Um, so I look forward to many more years with my wife. She makes it easy to love her. Though not always easy to live with. <laughs> Happy anniversary, babe. Um, for those of you who don't know, we, we, uh, I was in Tanzania last week uh, along with a few people here from our church. I'm so excited to say and our vision, uh, our vision and our dream for, for changing the, the futures of so many Tanzanian children. It's coming to, fru- to fruition little by little. We were able to, uh, uh, to walk the 17 acres of of land that we uh, acquired earlier this year, and it was a, it was an awesome, awesome feeling. And um, we took we took Dita with us. She's like our architect. She spoke with some of the uh, a local builder and engineer. She showed she showed them the plans, and and uh, we uh, we got some some bids um, to begin laying the groundwork uh, for our school. And we're still confident that by 2020 we're gonna have a a school that's up and running. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that this was a God-given vision, so there's no question that it's going to happen. Um, if we're diligent enough, right, that's important. If God gives you a word, we must then do everything that we can to make that happen, right? Because God will open doors for you that you can't open, but God cannot make you or he will not make you walk through those doors. And so that's kind of where we are right now. We're walking through those doors. I have, a, I have some, some slides here. This first picture here, I had to, I had to put it up there because I... I look so cool, right? And and that's 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 the land where we're standing on the 17 acres of land. And I don't know. Danny was like, "Here, dude, take a picture with this machete." I was like, "Okay, cool." And and so that's that's that feeling like, man, like God just came through for us. It was an incredible moment. You can go to the next one. Um, those are some of the, the the kids there, looking very unimpressed with what we're doing. Uh, but that's 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 the culture. It's really hard to get kids to to smile over there and, and, and you're coming all, all loving and, and they're just like, what, what do you want? Like that's, that's just their culture. Um, a part of their culture is that they don't, they don't hug either. So if you're trying to go up there and, and hug a kid, they're being like, what is, what are you doing? Um, and so those are some of the kids that would be probably the first generation that we would, um, take in to our school. The, these are kids that live on that, on the site really close to the village. Uh, you can go to the next one. Um, yeah, just, just the, the team that went with some of the kids there, you know, the next one. Some more kids. That was Danny showing them an iPhone, and they were very, they're like, what is this thing? It was like an alien to them. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's crazy how you show some of these kids 
um, like a, something as simple as, as a phone, and, and they've never seen it before. And, and so they're really impressed when they, when they see a picture of themselves. That, that's when they start smiling. They're like, wow, look, I'm on that little screen. Um, and you can go to the next one. That's another, that's another little girl there, um, some of the kids there. And then I think that's the last one. That's just kind of a, a picture of the, of the land that, praise God, God has given to us. Amen. And so I think that's, that's about it. Um, but keep praying for us, keep praying with us, believing with us. And, and, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about the go movement in the, in the coming weeks. Cause we have, we have some goals. Amen. Um, we were supposed to be back last Sunday. I did not plan on missing two Sundays. Um, and to make a very long and, and infuriating story short, we missed, we missed our flight and I'm still not, I'm still not convinced that it was our fault. We arrived with plenty of time to spare. Okay. Um, we, I mean, 15, 20 minutes we, we arrived. So we were cutting it close, but we got there within plenty of time. The ticket said, hey, if you get here at this time, um, you know, no later than that, we're going to be accepting people to check in. But we got there with 15 to 20 minutes. We got to the counter, and it was closed. And um, we, we were told that you're just going to have to wait for, for a representative of the airline to come back and and I was like, okay, are they going to escort us to the flight? And they were like, no, you missed the flight. What was really, it made me really upset is, is uh, we were there like, in, like more than an hour before the flight left. So the plane was literally outside somewhere. And we could have just been walked in, but no one was giving us any help. And it wasn't such a huge deal until they told us that we had to pay for the flights, uh, for returning flights. And you better, I got super American. I filed a complaint. And... Uh, I, I must have talked to like 15 to 20 people, diff, you know, I, and I, they kept telling me the same thing and I would hang up and I would call them again to see if I would get, you know, someone with a little bit more favor towards us. And, and, uh, and we had, we had no luck. I, I kind of forgot that I was a pastor for a moment. Um, and I mean, I, I was, I was, I, I realized this on the, on the way back in Tanzania in the culture over there, you're not supposed to point at people. It's very rude. It's very offensive. And, I, I, I pointed at someone, like, not even, like, I, I was kind of yelling at, not yelling at her, but I was like, there was this lady, and there was, some, there was someone here, and, and he was basically telling me that she was, she was here at this time, and I was like, she, this person, she was not here, and I didn't realize how rude that was, and, you know, I'm an I'm American-looking guy, I'm, I'm an American, I, I can only imagine what they thought about me, but um, anyways, it, it was a mess. And our, our flight was supposed to leave at 3.30, so we were running as, on, on zero sleep. We got back to the hotel by 5 a.m. We woke up at 9 to, to try to fix the problem. We went to the main office, and um, the airline told us that they couldn't refund anything and, until corporate did an investigation. And so I was forced to, to purchase same-day plane tickets, um, and again, it, it was just a mess. That's why I say the journey isn't always easy, right? Um, thankfully, we're... We're home, and we're still hoping and pray, praying that we get some favor with this airline um, so that they can, you know, refund our, our money. And I, I kept kind of joking to the team um, as we were there. I said, God is just having his way with me right now, man. He's just having a, a good old time because of the series that we're in, getting there, right? Like, like God is going to make me live it. I'm like, God, I don't want to live it. I just want to preach it. And he's like, no, you're going to live it, right? I'm going to start preaching messages on prosperity. Maybe he'll make me live out one of those. <laughs> but getting back, getting back to our series, 
if, again, if you missed any, you can go back and listen to them on, on the Primera podcast. I want to thank my dad. I know my dad um, gave a, a word last week in English. I want to defend my dad real quick because he, um, when I got in, in, the, in, the, in the car, when Melissa picked me up, she was telling me about my, about my dad. And, and uh, she said, my, my dad said a, a funny word, um, which was contemporaries, contemporaries. And he had said that my mom said it wasn't a word, and and he got up here and he said the word contemporaries, and t- to try to get y'all's help, and no one gave him any feedback, and so I, I was like, contemporaries is a word, y'all know that, right? <laughs> okay, well I just want to defend my dad because he comes out here trying to speak in English, and you're good, you're good, dad, and um, and brother Renee, I want to thank him as well for for bringing a word. Uh, but if you missed any message, you can go back and listen to it from this series. Um, we're, talking about, we're talking about Israel's journey to the promised land, right? Uh, the journey is going to test you in ways that's going to make you question whether you even want to get to your destination. We all have a, a promised land that we're trying to get to. We all, we all have a destination that God is trying to take us to. And sometimes on our journey, when it's getting really hard, we wonder if the struggle, if the sacrifice is even worth it. And so today's message is out of Exodus 17. If you got your Bibles, you could turn there. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. If you have it, you can say amen. Let me know you're awake. Amen. And if you don't have it, I got you up here. It says this, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, uh, I'm sorry, while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. While Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Amen. I've entitled today's message, Getting Help, to kind of go with our our theme of getting there. Um, And this is not just a message for us as individuals. Rather, it's more of a message for the whole body, for the church, for, for, for a team. Right. Uh, There are things that we simply cannot do by ourselves. Did you know that there are things that that we're going to need to ask for help with? This is a reality that God himself even knew, because um, when when the Tower of Babel was being constructed, God said, let us go down and confuse their speech, because if we don't, there is nothing that is going to be impossible for, for these men to reach. In unity, if they're in agreement, if they're determined enough, if they're working together, there is nothing that they cannot do. So let's go down and confuse their speech. And so you can see the power of unity. You see the power of collaboration and and, and neighbor helping neighbor. So it's true that we are better when we work together. Amen. Can we acknowledge that? But sometimes that requires us to ask for help. And I think for the most part, we don't really mind asking for help when it's like with small issues. Like, hey, can you help me lift this? It's kind of heavy. Or I'm moving next week, right? You think you can come and give me a hand? Um, that, that's, that's not a big issue. One that I've used plenty of times before is, dude, I forgot my wallet. Can you spot me, right? 
So when it comes to some issues like that, we don't mind asking for help. But, but when it comes to the more, more serious issues, and I'm reminded of this, uh, this California pastor. If you're on social media, you probably heard about him uh, a few weeks ago. He took his own life. And, and it came as such a shock to, to everyone that he knew, his congregation, his friends, uh, his family, because no one knew that he was struggling with something so, so deep, so, so dark. And that leads me to believe that so many of us are going into warfare alone. We're not afraid to ask for the small things when we need help with the small things, when it's a few bucks, when it's, hey, can you watch my kids? But, but I, don't know, I don't know if it's our pride or it's because we don't want anyone to see our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. We hide the things that we truly do need help with. And we fail to ask for help when help is truly needed. And so we go into battle so many times and we face an army in front of us without an army behind us. And I'll be the first man to admit that I struggle with this myself. I'm extremely closed off when it comes to my personal issues, whatever it may be. I don't like people knowing my struggles. And the way that I, I reason, I was, I'm like, it's, not, it's none of their business. It's, none of, it's, it's not your business to know what I'm struggling with. You don't need to know, right? And then I think, well, if I tell one person, this person might tell that person, that person might tell this person, and then everybody's going to know my business. And you do need to be careful who you tell certain things to, right? But you also, I believe that you should never face certain things by yourself. And this is such an important thing to know because on your journey, you are going to hit rock bottom, church. It's going to happen. You have to know it. You're going to face issues that are much more than inconveniences. They're much more than just annoying. They're much more than just short term. They're going to last for a long time. And what you need is someone who is going to be there by your side saying, I can help you out in any way that I can. And this is something I think that the world has figured out, right? Um, that's why in AA programs, they always assign an AA sponsor to the people that are going through the programs because they know that that 12-step process to recovery is going to be difficult. It's not always easy. It's not smooth sail- sailing. They might fall. They might stumble. Uh, they might relapse. They might have a really hard day, and what they need is someone to keep them accountable, so the world has figured that out. But like Christians, Christians don't like other Christians seeing their ugliness. And so we hide it and we deal with it by ourselves. Right. Because yesterday I just gave a testimony about how the cancer was gone. And look, now today it's back and it's come back with a vengeance or or because the other day I was singing praises to God and everything looked good. But you don't know the, 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 the demons, the issues that I'm struggling with or because I'm in ministry and I post scripture verses every day. I can't let you see my addictions. And so we hide the ugliness of what we're going through. And can I just say we all have ugliness. We've all got it. You're not perfect. I might not know what it is. You might not know what mine is, but we all have some ugliness in our lives. And so many times we go into warfare alone, not wanting other people to see what we're going through. That's funny because we don't mind celebrating together, right? Um, Whenever something good happens, like we're we're ready to testify. I saw this video the other day of this, of this lady. She got the, she grabbed the mic at her church and she said, let me tell you how good my God is. Right. And she starts telling her testimony and, and how God gave her a job and everyone is like on their feet, right? They're, they're shouting, they're praising, they're believing with her. And the, 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 the band is, is about to break into like a, a gospel, a gospel dance. You know, it's, you know, it's a black church, right? 
Uh, but like, we don't, we don't mind celebrating together, right? Something good happens. We're going to tell the whole world. We're going to tell Facebook. We're going to post it out there and, and, and everybody's going to like it and everybody's going to comment and we're going to feel uh, so good about ourselves, right? But if we, if we can celebrate together, why can't we mourn together? Why can't we struggle together? Why can't we battle together? Why do we have to go through it alone? See, church, God, God gave you me. Tell him thank you. <laughs> he gave you me so that whenever I'm going through something and whenever I'm, I'm, I'm falling down and I, and I need some, some encouragement, you can pick me up and you can offer that, that word of encouragement. You can lead me to, you know, to continue on my path. And the same thing goes for me with you. God gave you to me so that anytime you're in need of prayer, you're in need of someone to talk to, you need some advice, whatever it might be, I'm there for you. I got your back. We need each other. So, you know, I don't understand why so many times we're causing division, right? And we're arguing with one another about every little thing. I don't see any, any sense in destroying relationships. This is one of the most important things that we have. Tell the person next to you, you need me. Let them know. Don't take me for granted. <laughs> and so in my life, in my weaknesses, in, in my vulnerabilities, and in my shame, I might need to be able to go to some of you. And, and I can, I, I'm going to tell you, look, I'm, in a, I'm a mess right now. I'm, I'm ugly right now. Don't judge me. But I need some help. And I hope that I could go to some of you and you would receive me. And on the other end... That's what we need. We need Christians who will receive their needy brothers and sisters, right? There's a whole other message for the people on the other side of this conversation. Because sometimes when someone is coming to us and in the ugliness of their situation, their raw, authentic ugliness, some of us are like, ill, right? Like, don't touch me. It reminds me of a first mission trip that I took. Uh, it, it was in Mexico. And we were... It was a youth mission trip, so I was, I was young, I was, I was a kid, and we took a bunch of uh, a gifts. It was during Christmas time, um, and we, we, gave, we were going to pass them out to a bunch of kids uh, who came from very impoverished families. These kids literally lived in, in a dump. Like, trash surrounded them. That, that's, that's where they called home. And, and so I remember I, I had a gift that I gave to one, to one kid, and his face just lit up. And like in that moment, I, I, I knew that he probably had never gotten the gift before for Christmas. And his mom was standing right there and and and, and she was so she was so happy and, and her face lit up when his face lit up. And, and again, these are people that live in, in a dump. So you can imagine how how bad they smell. And this woman, this this mother, she was so gracious, she came in to embrace me, to give me a hug. And as she did that, I caught a whiff. And it, it was, again, I feel so bad. Like, I really wanted this to be a memorable moment where I just, I gave this gift to this kid and, and everything, we went about our ways and, you know, I showed him the love of Jesus and everything was good. But she came in for a hug and me, I was, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. I was like, I don't want to touch her. She's like really, really dirty. And she came in for the hug and I did it wrong, man. I just tapped her on the back. Like, I couldn't even give her the courtesy of a, of a side hug, right? We, we need to be better than that, church. We need to be better than that. When someone is hurting, when someone is suffering, when, when they're struggling, we, we don't need Christians who are going to go and, and, and tell our brothers uh, all, of, all of their business, 
right? We don't, we don't need to be so judgmental. You know, there are some Christians, man, that actually judge people who undergo chemotherapy. Did you, did you know that? I, I, I have a, this brother. He's an, he's an awesome man of God. He's got this powerful uh, ministry. A few years ago, he was diagnosed with lymphoma. And his wife told me that they were getting a lot of hate because they were, they were taking on chemotherapy. And, and, and people were saying, is your faith not strong enough? Do you, do you really have to go through this process? And I'm like, dude, seriously? Like, if you have those people in your life, write them off. That's not what we need. What we need is to be a body who embraces the imperfections of others. And, and we need to say, look, as long as you're tired, as long as you're hurting, as long as you're smelling bad, I've got your back. Because there's going to be a time in your life, church, where you're going to be the one on the ground. You're going to be the one hurting and crying, and you're going to need someone to, to lean on. The last thing that you're going to want is for someone to turn you away because you're not at your best. We need each other. Now, I want to go back to this passage here. You're still with me, right? You're with me? All right. <clears throat> we see the power here of, of each other. From the very start, Moses commands Joshua to go and assemble an army to fight Amalek. He says, you go, you assemble an army, and I am going to go up to the hill. See, that, that's one thing about not doing things by yourself, is you're able to assign different tasks to, to different people. Moses could have done everything. Moses could have done both. Listen, here in our church, you can't expect one person to do everything. I got, I got an amen from the pastor. Anyone else? <laughs> you, you can't expect one person to do everything. That's how burnout happens. When you've got one person over there watching, watching the kids, but they're supposed to be over here singing on the worship team, and then they're going to be the ones you know, picking up offering, and then someone comes to them and say, uh, why isn't the gate open? We've got to be better than this. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on that. And they come with this judgmental tone, but they offer no help whatsoever. Imagine, imagine if Joshua would have told Moses, you want me? You want me to assemble the army? This is your crew. This is your thing. This is your fight. You do it. I'm, I'm not the leader. You're the leader. It's going to mean more if it comes from you. Man, people tell me that all the time. It's going to mean more if it comes from you. You're the leader. You assemble the army. But, but Joshua, Joshua understood the power of people. He understood the power of helping one another to achieve a certain goal. See, Moses had a different assignment. It was the same goal, but it was a different assignment. See, just because you have a vision doesn't mean that every assignment to get to that vision belongs to you. I'm going to say that again because I, I don't think you got it. Just because you have a vision, everybody here have a vision, I hope. If you don't have a vision, man, you got to start praying. But if you have a vision, it doesn't mean that every assignment to get to that vision is going to belong to you. You can assign it to the other people. You can, you can get the help from other people. And I, I relate this like to the Go movement. See, the, the vision of the Go movement, it began, it began with, with me. It began with, with my, my, my sister. And then we, we passed it along to others and people have grasped it. And I can't do it by myself. I've tried. There's been weeks where I'm like, I'm looking at the goals and I'm looking at what we need. And I'm like, man, how, how am I going to do this by myself? And I fell because there's no way that I can do it by myself. And yesterday we had, I had a meeting with some of the, the Go Movement team. And, and I, assigned, I, I told them, look, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. If, if you don't come through for me, the whole thing is going to fall apart. 
We need each other. But when we go into these war zones, I don't know, it's like we think that we have to face it by ourselves. Because this, it's my battle. It's my struggle. This is my depression. No one is going to understand my depression. They're just going to think that I'm always complaining and that I'm always negative. But here's the thing about people. See, you can assign one person the task to pray for you. And you can say, look, man, I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this right now. This is what I'm struggling with. I need you to wage war for me. Can you pray for me? Every night, can you keep me in your prayer? And then you can go to another person and say, look, I, I need you. I, I need your personal uh, or your professional advice. I need your counsel. And then you can go to another person. You can task them with keeping you accountable. Like when I'm having a bad day and when I'm falling and when I want to just go back to the way that things were before, I need you to help me keep me grounded. And it might not be their fight, but it doesn't mean that they won't take on their task. And this allowed Moses to take on his own task. He sends out Joshua. Okay, you do this. I'm going to go do this. Now I want to break this down a little bit. It's, gonna, it's about to get good. I, I think when I, when, I, when I read this, I was like, man, God, you're so awesome. Um, we need to understand the significance of the staff. Moses said, tomorrow I will go up with the staff of God in my hand. And the text says that every time Moses' hands grew tired and he brought the staff down, Amalek prevailed, right? And then when he lifted it back up, the Israelites prevailed. So it, it makes you wonder if there was like some type of magical force to this staff. What, what was it about it? What kind of power did it have? Like, what is, was, it, was it like kryptonite where whenever it was present, you know, the, the Amalekites, they, they, they weakened. And whenever it was not present, they were able to, you know, to overtake Israel. What was it about this essentially piece of wood that was so powerful. The first time that we hear about it is in Exodus 4.2. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, the Lord said to him, Moses, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So we threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by its tail. So we put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. So that's the first time that we hear about the staff. And then we also see it in action in other places. The Lord tells Moses to raise uh, his hand with the staff in it to the heavens when he causes a hailstorm uh, to, uh, to come about the land of Egypt. Right? He does the same thing when, when God is going to command locusts to swarm over Egypt, oh, this plague. Right? He, he tells Moses, lift up your staff and, and watch, me, watch me work. He does the same thing. When, when God says, look, I'm going to part the seas, just stand there with your hand lifted to the heavens, and I'm going to do it. We also get a glimpse of the significance of the staff in Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and, the, and staff, they comfort me. So stick with me for a second. All these other times when Moses stretched out his hand to the heavens, it was because God told him to. God commanded it. God said, okay, Moses, I, this is what I need you to do. These are your instructions. You, you hold out your hand to the heavens, and I'm going to perform a miracle. Every time the staff is present, it's because God commanded it. But there is no such command here in this passage. And when I, I, had, to, I had to dig in a little bit more because when I realized this, I was like, well, what's, what's the deal? What's going on here? God didn't tell Moses to go up to the hill and stretch out his hand. 
So why did he? Why did he? Anybody? Anybody? Why did God, why did Moses do it? He wasn't commanded to do it. I'll tell you why. Because even though he had the help of his people, he could not afford to not have the help of his God as well. So Moses did everything that he could by his own strength, everything humanly possible that Moses could possibly do, he did. Right? He, he gathered his army. He, he was prepared. Uh, he, had his, he had his men here. Everything. Moses was ready. And then after he had everything prepared on his own, he goes up and he appeals to a higher force. Imagine if Moses would have bypassed the help of his brothers. What if he said, I, I don't need you guys. God's going to do this on his own. God's going to help me. Right? And what if Moses would have got to the top of the hill with, with no preparations made and lifted up his staff? God would have been like, bro, where's your army? Where's your help? Where, where's your preparedness? How do you expect me to help you when you refuse to help yourself? Moses, Moses had warfare in front of him, church. And so he covered every angle to get the help that he needed. He got the help from his men. He got the help from his God. He even brought Aaron and Ur along uh, to help him when Moses got too tired to, to request the help from God. And so he was so strategic in getting the help that he needed that at the end of the day, the enemy didn't even stand a chance because he had everyone covered. He got the help from his church, his men, his army, and he got the help from his God. And he looked, I just imagine Moses looking at Aaron and Ur, right? Like he's, he's on his way to the, to the hilltop. He's a man on a mission. And he sees Aaron and Ur. And he's like, wait a minute, guys, you two. And his brain is going. He's thinking. He's strategizing. That's how you got to be in warfare. You have to be alert. You got to be on your feet. You can't be lazy. You can't be slacking. You, you, you got to be thinking. And so he looks at these two men and he's like, look, I want you guys to come with me because I'm about to go to the hilltop and I'm going to appeal to God for his help. He didn't command it of me, but I'm going to go up and I'm going to have faith that he's going to help me like all the other times before. But because we're in battle, it might take a long time for, for, for me to hold out my hands and I might get tired. So I need you guys to come with me just in case I get tired. I need you to help me. He was so prepared in every way. He was going to get the help from his God, but even when he was too tired to get the help from his God, he said, I, I'm going to bring my brothers along with me. And so I'm wondering why, church, we bypass the help of our friends, of our brothers. And we, it's like we say, God, this is just going to be you and me. But God doesn't, God doesn't need your help. You might need some help. And so we need to be we need, to, we need to let go of our pride and ask God and ask for people to help us with our situations. When we're going in warfare, when we're battling, when we're struggling, we need to not be afraid to ask for help. It doesn't matter how ugly it looks. I'm going to have Will come up. It doesn't matter how, how, how weak we look and how shameful we feel and and look, I, I don't want you to know this about me, but, but if I don't bring it out in the open, I, I might never fix it. There is power when the people of God come together. And when we have God in the equation, man, there's nothing that we can't get out of. And so this, this message, I believe, is relevant because we're all getting, we're, we're all trying to get there. We're all trying to, to get to where God has placed us, but it's not, it's not easy 
And sometimes we take a wrong turn, but because we're so prideful to ask for help, we never find our way back. And we might seek out God's help, but God is like, look, I can help you, but I'm going to meet you halfway. And the rest is up to you. And so this morning, church, I want to encourage you that whenever you're going through a situation, whenever you're struggling with something, you can lean on me. You can lean on the person next to you. And, and, and we're not going to judge you because you're human. And because you're going through some situations, we're going to help you. Because my success is your success. And your success is my success. We're all one body of Christ. And so I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And in just a second, I'm going to do a a call to the altar this morning. But I just want to, I just want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. But you can let me know. And I hope that I can go to you and I can let you know what I'm struggling with because we need each other, church. We need each other. We need to be in unity. We need to work together for common goals. We're never going to get places. We're never going to get there to our journey on our own. And so this morning, God, I want to appeal to you. Come on, let's pray real quick. God, I want to ask this morning that you just, you suppress our pride, Father. Because that's, that's the number, number one enemy, Father God. When we're, when we're going through something and, and, and we need help, Father God, the number one enemy that is present is our pride because we don't want people knowing. We think that we're strong enough to do it on our own or, or we don't need the help of anybody else. My God, I pray that you eliminate that from this room this morning, Father God. And give us a spirit of humility, Father God, and meekness, Father God. To lean on you and to lean on each other, Father God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.